What's up, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Spoilers Only. We are back from our extended Thanksgiving break, and we have a super special guest joining us today to help us recap the year in movies. Please give a warm welcome to the host of the Nick Major Show on Adobe Radio and our good friend, Nick Major! Woo! Woo! Anae, you're speechless. You're covering your mouth because you, you're just <laughs> speechless. You can't believe I'm here. It's it's the major spoiler show. Mm. Major spoilers only. Woo, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about movies and see what you guys saw. I have a feeling you guys watched a lot more than me movie-wise this year. I watched a lot of shows, so I might sprinkle in a show if that's, that's acceptable. That's wishful thinking, man. I mean, yeah, shows are, yeah. We, we talk it all. But for the most part, I've seen some movies. But yeah, let's freaking do this thing. How are you guys doing? How's the how's the Thanksgiving? How's the podcast? I'm pumped for you. Very Thanksgiving was cool. Uh, it was a rather chill one, rather than a a big meetup. So was moving over the break. So oh, nice. Here I am in a new setting. Oh, welcome to a new setting, which I can see it's a very toy setting behind you. You've got. Yes. Your nice background. So Spooky's got SpongeBob behind her. You've got toy soldiers behind you. And I have an IKEA picture behind me. I don't know what I thought that was. What? (laughs) The picture. Oh, is that yours? Yours. Oh, mine. Mine, yeah. IKEA, baby. We shop high fashion out here in Los Angeles. There is no IKEA anywhere near me, so. Bummer. I know. Let's talk. Let's talk movies. How are we going to dive into this? I want to know what you guys have seen. I'll tell you what I've seen. We can chat about the best movies because what a year it's been. Movie theaters finally started to open back up. I don't know if you guys have been to the theater yet because I have a couple times, but not nearly as much as I used to. I actually have not been to a movie theater since the whole shebang went down. And it's Mm. weird because I miss it so much. Shebang, a.k.a. COVID. I think shebang is the technical term for it, though. (laughs) That's what I've heard them say on CNN. Shebang 19, yeah. It's actually what they're saying in Uh labs as they're developing vaccines. The shebang has to stop. The shebang vaccine. But at least I feel like the good thing, though, is that at least movies, all the places, all the companies, they've really turned to the streaming services to give us still a ton of new movies. So I'm hoping that at least gave us all a chance to check out plenty of new stuff during the this shebang 19 shutdown. Um, yeah, and I heard on the news, like, the other day that, um, movie ticket sales and, like, movie revenue in general with theaters is down, like, almost 70% from where it was Mm -hmm. in 2019, which is crazy, but it makes sense because I can totally understand being nervous to be in, like, a crowded theater, and I think also just in general like you said, with streaming services, it's been so nice to have movies just on your TV. You can just rent one of the newer ones or you wait a few months like with Disney uh, Disney Plus and they put a lot of the newer ones like Shang-Chi and Black Widow. Those have been pretty popular and it's nice to just have them right there on your TV or your phone or whatever, whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Is Shang-Chi on uh, Disney Plus now? I don't think that it's Yeah, I think um, it was free. early November. Okay, but it's oh, one of the paid ones. You have to pay for it? Yep. I no, think oh, as of oh. November 12th. It's, um... Ane, get your stuff together. I'm sorry. Every answer you're saying is wrong. Well, somebody has to be wrong. 
<laughs> I'm taking one for the team. It's usually me, so I appreciate that. But yeah, and I, because I do love movie theaters, and I think there's always going to be a good market and interest for it. But also now at home, I feel like, because with movie theaters, it used to be because it was a big screen and it sounded so good. But now we have that at home. Like, it's not uncommon for us to all have our own big TVs. And that good you don't have to pay systems. $100 for popcorn and candy. And you don't have to pay $100 for popcorn mm -hmm. and candy. I still sneak that stuff in, though. I still oh, I sneak it like one of the movie theaters. Me too. Okay, I was joking. You've all been caught on recording. <laughs> I'm sending this to the movie theater association no. of America. No. <laughs> listen, listen. No, we can't have that. We can't have that. But even moving forward, I wouldn't be surprised if we never see numbers again like we've seen in movie theaters before COVID because I think the fact that now we have had the chance to see so many big blockbuster movies at home, I feel like the market for that's going to forever change. Kind of like when Movie Pass was around, and I think it forever changed the market in regards to having subscription-based services for movie theaters, which like AMC is killing it with now. I feel like once you give the public a taste of something good like that, like a subscription service or the chance to watch movies at home, you can't take it away from them because if you do, someone else is going to give it to them and they're going to come out on top. But we'll see. We'll see what the future That's of movie true. theaters is all about. That's true. I and I really miss it, I really miss Movie Pass because that was like I remember that one summer that I had it was the time of my life. I went like almost every day. Any movie I'd see movies twice or three times like it was the funnest experience ever. And I just remember seeing those stories like, oh, movie pass isn't doing so well. And I was just like, no, it was heartbreaking. Was, it was $10, $10 a month, was it for? Uh, $10 a month for unlimited, yeah. I don't know, Tony, my friend Tony that you guys know, he he uh, he probably single-handedly tanked movie pass because he <laughs> saw so many movies. It was like a deal too true to be, too good to be true. But then we saw AMC A-list. Because they're just mm -hmm. the, kind of the same thing, but a much more viable situation. But I can't wait for a documentary to come about at the story of MoviePass. <laughs> I think that's going to be such a crazy story. Because change the movie theater going experience. That existed for like a, what, a year? Two years? Yeah, but they, they had it for years before. But it was a different system. And like it like would cost like... They, they'd change the pricing depending on where you lived. Like if you lived in LA, it could cost upwards of like $50 a month. But then some new company took over and they're like, we're going to make it $10 a month for everyone and we're going to make it work. And they didn't. And they crashed and burned hard. That's that's tough. Whoopsie. So shall we start off talking about the best or worst movies of 2021? Yes, let's do this. Who to kick it off? I, I think, think it's fair. I think we should talk about the best movies first. Yeah. Started off on a high it. note. Hit me with your favorites, and I'll hit you with my limited movies that I saw <laughs> this year. Have not seen too, too many movies this year. However, one that I did catch in theaters was Zola with um, some people in it. Based oh, on good. The Twitter yeah. People on this one. That's awesome. <sighs> yep. I forgot the actors' names. Should have wrote this down. With Taylor Page, Riley Keough, Nicholas Braun. Our guy. Nicholas Braun. Nicholas Braun. Our yes. boy. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty crazy movie. Have either of you seen it? No, I haven't. But what's it about? I have not. <clears throat> well, you are in for the trip of your lives, fellas. 
So the whole movie is based off of a Twitter thread from like 2015. This girl, Zola, was talking about like this trip that she went on with this girl that she'd met and they pretty much became like best friends over like a weekend. So they go take a trip to Miami to go dance. Ends up getting mixed into prostitution and also gang activity. Not really gang activity. Just some people die. Oh. It's rather intense. Is this where's this movie on? Where can people see it? I'm trying to I want to look it up as you talk about it to see. It is on Hulu premium subscription. Mm, okay, Sling, cool. Amazon Prime, Showtime. I am a Showtime subscriber and I just like got a notification like maybe two weeks ago that it was on there. And so I was like, oh, I forgot about that movie because I know and I have talked about it before. And she told me like, just just like what she said a few moments ago, it is intense. So it's it's on my list to check out because I think I'll watch anything with Nicholas Braun in it. So he has a good first name. <laughs> Bias. It's my first name. I'm very biased to that name. <laughs> the one thing I dislike about the movie is that it kind of falls apart in the end. Like, okay. oh, that's a bummer. I hate when there's a good movie and then the ending starts to ruin it. It's just, it ends so abruptly. They're just in a car and they're driving. The guy, um, Nicholas Braun's character, he, um, Derek, so he, this is, yeah, anyway. So, they're all in Miami. He's mad that his girlfriend, played by Riley Keough, Stephanie, is back into, you know, prostituting herself out. Kind of. Um, so he's upset about that. And he's like, hey, man, it's either you come home now or I'm going to kill myself. So he jumps off of the balcony that they in the house that they're in. He lives, but they're in this car driving to the hospital, I assume. And his head's busted up and he's crying. And then the movie just ends. Oh my god. The movie just ends there. So I felt like it could have been fleshed out a little more, but... Do you oh, think no. that sets it up for, like, a sequel? I was gonna say that. <laughs> no. no? You're just like, nope, they just decided to wrap that <laughs> no. story up. Yeah, cause I, mean, I mean, it's based on a Twitter story, so there really was no, like, Oh, it's based off, a, a, based off a Twitter story? How so? Like, like, was it a real thing that happened that was documented on Twitter, or was it just some... <laughs> Tweets that Allegedly. people made. It. No, okay. Oh, you didn't hear that part. Okay, so real life lady, Isaiah King, Zola, she tweeted out this story. Was like, hey, when you hear about how me and this one girl fell out, it's a long story, but it's super suspenseful. So it's like this like two hundred tweet thread that she tweeted about this story from this weekend that she had with this girl, and the movie was based off of that story that she told, and. It's a really good question to ask whether or not it's true, because there are some parts where it's just like, uh, this sounds a little fake. When the zombie but apocalypse happens. Hated that part. <laughs> no, because also the other girl that was involved in the story, she came forward and was like, yeah, she's talking about me in the story, but it didn't happen like that. They also talk about that in the movie house. She kind of was like, yeah. That happened, but it happened this way. 
So nobody really knows whether that's that happened or what truly guess. happened. Yeah. But all in all, it's still ranked as a favorite of yours for 2021. I gave it like a 7 out of 10. And it was a favorite of yours and it was only a 7. 7 or 8. Listen, the ending was 7 or 8. I don't know. Right. To be fair, I have not seen like a huge amount of movies to be like, yeah, on a scale of 1 to 100, I would rank it out of 76 because whatever was, you know. It was pretty good. It was a fun movie. However, it could have been better. Check it out on Hulu. If you have the premium subscription. Oh, yeah. That's where they get me. Because I think I have Hulu, and I think I'll be good to watch something. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, this is on Hulu. And then I go to check it, and it's like, you need to upgrade to this other one. And I'm like, I already paid Stop for this. Stop showing logo. me these movies. Gotta love it. I don't want to see it at that point. It's on Showtime as well, or Amazon oh, Prime. Oh, geez. So it's everywhere. Who who wants to take the next one? I can take one. Spooky, you can take one. Did we cover this one? Do we want to add any other comments about it? You guys should watch it. That's my final comment on Zola. Oh, we will. Mm-hmm. You should. Count me in. Let's at desk. All right. So who's taking the uh, the the talking stick to talk about the next movie? Talking stick. Becca, you want to take one? You want me to take one? Sure. I'm down for whatever. I, I can take one. Yeah. Um, last night, I finished watching Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix and bawled my eyes out. <laughs> that's the new one with Andrew Garfield. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Ooh, I didn't realize that. Amazing. He had like a little cameo in it, and there were all these Broadway cameos that I was such just screaming. It it just reminded me of that meme of is it Spider Man or Superman who's like pointing at each other? Spider Man. Spider Man. Spider Man. And Andrew Garfield is Spider Man, right? Yeah. My favorite. Yeah. Okay, so that was okay. I was making sure that that made sense. Um, it reminded me of that meme where they were all pointing at each other because it was just everybody was Broadway, and I just kept pointing at the TV. But yeah, it was, um, man, I cried. And it was funny because I was talking to Inea and I told her that I was going to watch it. And she said, please tell me like on a scale of one to 10, how emotional it is. Because we both cry at movies and we're not afraid to, and it just happens. And we try to like prevent that from happening as best as possible. Um, but I would say like six out of 10 emotion wise, because there's certain parts, like, the music was fantastic. The acting was great. I've been seeing a lot of um, online chatter about possibly Andrew Garfield getting nominated for some Oscars for it. And I could Ooh. definitely see that happening because it was really good. And so it follows, it's the story of Jonathan Larson, who was the creator of Rent, the musical. Yeah. And as well as the Tick, Tick, Boom musical, because that was, like, a autobiographical musical of sorts and there's a lot of um flashbacks and flash like flashbacks in the movie um where it kind of starts out in 1992 where he's performing tick tick boom in front of an audience and he talks about the week leading up to his 30th birthday and then throughout the movie it goes um back to 1990 and you see him working at the diner and he was working on his 
musical and it was super, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It was Superbia was the musical. And it was like this futuristic type rock opera, sort of. Now, I know Inea is a good musical theater person like me. Was that a real musical or was that just just the basis for the Tick, Tick, Boom musical? Because I never like looked into that. I couldn't remember if that was real. Don't let us down, Inea. Don't let us down. She asked you. She said, you are the pro at this, and I expect you to know this answer. You would not let me down, so hit me with some truth. I don't know. Wow! (laughs) I don't... I don't know. Listen. I'm... I'm not that deep into that. Just very surface level. You said superbia? Hey, if it, if it has to do with Book of Mormon, I know that one. So, but I don't think that is relevant to this conversation. Uh, not this one. I'm sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, I don't, th- I don't think it's a real musical. And if there's people out there listening to this and it is a real musical, I apologize because I try to be as up on Broadway as possible. <laughs> but so basically... Um, he is, he feels pressured to make a big move in his career before he turns 30 because he wants to be like his idol, Stephen Sondheim. And unfortunately, Stephen Sondheim just recently passed away. And towards the end of the film, there's actually, um, a voicemail that was left on Jonathan Larson's answering machine. And Stephen Sondheim actually voiced the voicemail that's in this musical, uh, in this movie. And it was, um, it was kind of bittersweet to hear that because he had just recently passed, and it was kind of a shock because, from what I know, like I had heard that he was gonna do a little cameo in this, and you know he was just such a big like Broadway icon, and so that was that was one of the moments where I felt myself kind of get choked up because that was sort of a surprise towards the end. Um, <clears throat> So the movie is, it go, it, like I said, it flashes um, back and forth between 1990 and 1992. And it's those um, two years of him working at the diner, um, you know, fights with his girlfriend because his girlfriend got a great job offer to go work in the Berkshires and he didn't want to move. So he, you know, put his career first and there's like a breakup scene between them that also... It, it, it was amazing how they m- melded together. There was a breakup scene with a scene from his performance in 1992 of Tick, Tick, Boom. And it's just so amazing how they mixed those two together and how it it just followed like like you were watching one take. But it was two separate takes, obviously. But it was just, it was just so great. And overall, though, if you cry at movies I strongly suggest tissues for this one because it's it's a doozy it's a doozy <laughs> and it's a Netflix original right yes dude I cry at everything so you keep it you keep it <laughs> I love it and I when you mentioned the Spider-Man thing one thing that I've been hearing this has nothing to do with your movie but because there's the the new Spider-Man movie coming out, and yeah. everyone is saying that it's going to have Andrew Garfield, uh, Tobey Maguire. Was that who the first Spider-Man was? 
and then obviously Tom Holland and because there's just like everything's pointing to they're all three going to be in it. And then so everyone is saying like they better somehow recreate that iconic shot of all the Spider-Men pointing at each other <laughs> because it's such a popular it. meme that they better do it. And that has a lot to do with Tick, Tick, Boom, obviously. <laughs> yeah, they're practically the same movie. Oh, yeah. But it topped your list? Was it a, a list topper for the year? You you thought it was a good one? I would say, yeah. I would give it maybe 9 or 10 out of 10. Because Ooh. it had it had a little bit of everything. It had humor. It had music. Which, if it has music, count me in. Because I'll watch anything with music. Lots of emotion. I mean, one of the words that Netflix used to describe it, it says emotional. Like, it's just right there on the screen. It just says emotional. So you just got to know what you're getting yourself into. But yeah, it's very, it's, 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 it's a lot. I saw an interview. during movies meant for seven-year-olds. I don't think I'd be able to handle that. I think I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I saw an interview with Andrew Garfield in regards to this movie on one of the late night shows. And I think maybe his mother passed away recently, Andrew Garfield's mother. And he was talking about how, and he was talking about using, uh, kind of the emotions from that and bringing that into the movie as well and just how because it was during the production of it or something I believe so that's for a movie that sounds to be emotional and for himself probably going through something emotional I'm sure that it was just it translates to the screen and I'll check it out because I don't know anything really about the movie so I'm sorry but it sounds like it might make me cry and I can get teary at emotional movies like Toy Story 4 Oh. Or in three, I guess, as three. well. Sad the incinerator scene? At school and I cried. I was in the back of the auditorium. And I was like, ah, nobody turn around, please. Nobody turn around. The incinerator scene, right? In Toy oh, Story yeah. 3? Yeah, I'm just going to cry right now thinking about it. Oh, my God. I was dead. I'm glad you got better. I was in the theater <laughs> for that. I died. That was awful. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I... awful. That was like one of the sickest I'd ever been. Like I had a, some sort of stomach flu and I couldn't stop puking. Very cute. But I was like, I have to see this movie. I have midnight tickets to it. So I went and saw it and I puked and cried my brains out. I didn't throw up during the movie at all, but it just added to the intenseness <laughs> of that. Puked out of your mouth and out of your eyes. Yeah, it was. Unfortunate uh, for the kids watching. It was a lot. All right. Tick, tick, boom. Catch it on Netflix, everybody. Should, should I uh, dive into a movie? Yes. Yes. You have All right. Stick. You guys have heard me talk about this. I believe that I didn't give spoilers for it, though. So I'm going to give spoilers to you guys. So I'm sorry if you want to see it. But maybe I did. Maybe I did. Because I saw this in theaters with Tommy. That's and it was. Here. I know. It's in the, it's in the name. That's so the this rule. Was, yep. There's two movies that I saw this year that I actually, when I reflect back on them, I actually really liked them both. And when I first saw them, I wasn't sure how I felt about them. And one of them is Malignant. That is a horror movie. Mm. It came out. It's by James Wan. And he, of course, is the guy he created Saw. And then he also ended up co-creating Insidious and The Conjuring, which is wild because those are such big powerhouses in the horror world. And then he for a bit, he kind of strayed away from the horror stuff. And he went on to do like Aquaman. And I think the Fast and Furious number seven movie, which I believe they're up to number four hundred and fifty now on those. They have a ton of Fast and the Furious movies. But Malignant was kind of his return back to like the creepy horror and his approach to it was really weird because when I was watching it, I didn't understand that it was supposed to kind of be like cheesy and campy as hell. Like it, it was just meant to be a cheesy, fun, good time. But in my head, I went in thinking that it was going to be like 
something Saw-esque or more insidious type style. So when it started to have like cheesy sound effects or cheesy dialogue and even cheesy like delivery of lines at times, I was like, what? This is dumb. But then at the end, when I reflect on it, I was like, wait, no, that actually made it really fun because the movie in itself is such a ridiculous concept because it is this uh it's about a girl who is played by uh let me see i got her name here annabelle wallace and she ends up having all of these weird mental things happening there's these murders that are going on in the city and she somehow is able to see the murders and the cops don't believe her but she's in the room as the killings are happening and the police don't believe it but then she's like no because last night this person was killed so if you go to this apartment the body is going to be there and the cops are like no this girl is crazy and then they go to the apartment finally and they're like sure enough wow this girl was right there's actually this dead body here and it turns out what's actually happening to her is that um she was born with like a uh, a tumor on the back of her head or in her brain that has grown so big to the point that it has like a mind of its own and a personality of its own that can take over her body and get her to do things. And it's a vengeful tumor because it has its own thought process because her family, when she was a little girl, they tried to remove the tumor, but it grew back. And so the tumor was not happy about this. So it went on a killing spree to try and kill everybody from this girl's childhood who attempted to suppress the tumor and attempted to remove the tumor. And by the end, she, the tumor is literally, um, it gets awoken because she's in an abusive relationship. And at the beginning of the movie, I'm, I'm remembering this as I go along. It's, it's weird because I haven't <laughs> thought about it in a while. But at the beginning of the movie, she's in an abusive relationship and her boyfriend slams her head against the wall. And when she gets her head slammed against the wall, it like cracks her skull and she's bleeding a bunch. But what that does is it actually like reawakens and kind of releases the tumor from not just her skull, but now it's in the back of her head because her skull split open. So when like she moves her hair to the side, you can see this twisted little demon face of a tumor that that is like a fully functioning face. And when it takes over and takes control of her, she walks backwards. So the tumor is front facing. And it's just such a ridiculous plot that is so silly and weird to watch play out that it would have to be kind of a campy movie the way that it's told. And it has like cheesy 90s sound effects and musics and jump scares that Again, when I was watching it, I thought it was dumb. When it ended, I saw it with my friend Tommy, and I was like, that was dumb. And then as I let it sink in with me more, and it was one of the few movies I saw in theaters this year, then I was like, hold on. That was actually really good and fun and not your typical horror movie. And for it to be James Wan, who's just like a powerhouse filmmaker, I kind of stepped back too, and I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows the approach that he was trying to make with this. And I thought he killed it with it, actually. And it's so funny now to reflect back on what I thought I initially thought of it versus what now I think about it, because now I think it's a great movie. And when I first saw it, I thought it was kind of a dumb movie. But I love horror. I love gore and bloody and all that stuff. And that's why I was excited to see this. And then when I reflect again now back on it, I'm like, that was actually a really fun, clever plot because I don't know the last time I saw a horror movie that I actually felt was really original. And this was not just the concept was original, but even the execution of it being kind of cheesy and campy, that just added a whole new funness to it. And then just the absurdity of this girl having a living tumor on the back of her head that was making her go out and kill people was just ridiculous. So I really liked it. I'd give it like a, 
eight or nine out of 10. It didn't do that well in the box office. It made like $34 million. It cost 40 million to make, but I feel like any movie's box office numbers are hard to judge right now because of the climate of movie theaters and COVID. But the shebang virus. Yeah, the shebang virus that's just been uh, taking over. But if you uh, like really weird horror movies, I definitely think this is a unique one. It has such a mixed response because I think a lot of people don't get that it's supposed to be cheesy at times, which now that I think it is supposed to be cheesy, I think it totally works. And I just loved the kind of original concept of this tumor in the back of this girl's brain that ends up taking over her and turning her into a killer. And then by the end of the movie, she learns how to be in control of it more because she didn't know what was happening at first. So when it would take over her brain, she had no idea what was going on. But now by the end of it, she finds out how to take control of it. And I think it's really dumb. Like, I think the tumor sucks back inside of her brain, like of her skull or something when she learns to take control of it. It sounds really dumb because it was, but in a good way, that is malignant. And I thought it was really fun. I thought it was a good little fun movie to watch in theaters. It was one of those ones that had the crowd all laughing and screaming. And one guy was snoring the whole time, though. But that wasn't a good sign for it. But I liked it. Malignant. Good stuff, guys. Because I know that I uh, I started watching with my mom. And I know she said that she did not like it because she thought it was kind of dumb. But you saying that it's meant to be cheesy, it makes a lot of sense. So here's the question, though. Is it meant to be dumb or are they just saying it because it wasn't received well? The fact (laughs) that it's, if it was a a filmmaker I hadn't heard of, but the fact that it was James Wan, who he seems like have mastered so much of the horror stuff, like from Saw, which was not cheesy and dumb at all. Saw, I mean, that grew into one of the biggest horror franchises of all time. And so did Insidious and um, whatever the other one is that he did as well. So I, I, when I was talking with Tommy, because he, I wish Tommy was here. But I think Tommy said something in regards, like in interviews, James Wan said that his approach was intentionally more campy and fun. And maybe it was, maybe it came off and it was done, the movie, and he realized how stupid it was. And he's like, oh God, I got to pretend that was on purpose. So I'm guessing that you uh, absolutely loved Clifford though. And it sounds like we at least had the same, This see what, what I'm, I'm guessing Clifford would have been a much better movie if it was the R-rated movie that we know any Clifford the Big Red Dog movie really would be either R-rated or I wish they would stick with the source material. They strayed away from the source material and now it's it was a mess. Oh, so you're like a OG source material Clifford fan, it sounds like. I mean, the PBS Kids show, yeah. I, I actually did. I didn't have cable growing up. <laughs> Me so neither. The amount of like little kid shows that I was forced to watch like into high school. I was just like, what's on? All right, uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog is on, so let's check it out. I mean, that was me. Yeah, definitely. Um, Because for some reason, yeah, we're actually going to talk about this. So for some reason in the movie, they're in the city, which does not make sense because in the show and in the books, Clifford was in the countryside because he's a dog that's for some reason a mutant and is giant. So him just cruising down whatever city that they were in, I don't know, San Francisco probably, I'm probably making that up. Um, does not make sense for a dog that enormous to be in a city. And I get they, that in the show, they moved to the country after a while, but like in the movie, they make it seem like everybody was very supportive of Clifford, like staying in the city. Like the entire town was like, this is Clifford's home. So maybe did they're he, gonna- Did he once 
pee a river's worth of pee in that movie on the street? No. However, How? Unacceptable. However, I'm not going to lie. I fell asleep for like five minutes through the movie. Um, it was a very long night. So you're and saying also, there's a chance. There's a chance in those five minutes that it was just the most R-rated film that think, any dog would bring to a children's movie. I think. <laughs> I think they peed. He peed at a, um, in the vet. At the vet. In fact, let me go ask my little brother. You two talk amongst yourselves and I'll ask him the question. <laughs> Woo! Uh, yeah, that's the real important stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm assuming you did not see Clifford the Big Red Dog, Becca. No, I didn't even know that it was coming out. I Maybe I saw one commercial, but I thought I it was like next year. I didn't yeah, even know. I, I remember I heard about it a long time ago, and then I saw like a billboard for it. Because one thing in, in L.A. that I noticed when I moved here is like all the billboards here are about movies. Because that's the industry out here. Like when I grew up in Reno, all the billboards were for like local businesses. Or, like, yeah. local things coming to town. But in L.A., it's all movies. So then one day I saw, like, Clifford the Big Red Dog in a billboard. And I was like, oh, that's coming out. I will not be seeing that. I have zero interest in watching that. Unless it was rated R, which it was not. <laughs> do, do we have an answer, Inea? I see movement uh, on the toy soldiers behind you on the Zoom screen. Okay, moment of truth. Did Clifford the Big Red Dog pee in the movie? Yes. Drum roll. Yes. <laughs> and he oh. did. Yeah, I just had to ask him. Um, he was and like, did he, well, yeah. Did he accidentally kill anybody in the movie? Because, come on, a dog that big running around. It's how I feel no, like about... but there was an... There was, unfortunately, a vor scene in the movie. How so? A voyeur scene? No, vor. Vor? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's vor? Oh God, I don't want to be have to be the one to tell you this. <laughs> not, what does not this like, podcast come to? Not like voyeur, not V O Y. No, V O R E. Oh God, okay. What? Give me with that. I'm confused too. I'm confused. <laughs> Why do I have to be the one to tell? You? All right, okay, let me. So, four. Um, do not look at pictures. Um, so it's a weird fetish. Where people fantasize about being swallowed whole. I'm looking at it right now on Google, and uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yes, and there was a scene where Clifford eats, um, who we later find out is actually T-Bone, the dog from the wow, show. You're, yes, you're bringing back the, the cartoon days for me. That's funny. <laughs> yes. Yes, so he accidentally almost swallows T-Bone whole. Absolutely heartbreaking. And next movie that we're going to talk about. He lives, he lives, uh, okay. Big Red Dog enough, guys. That was awesome. (laughs) Going to clear my Google search history now after that. (laughs) Going to make sure my family doesn't see I've been looking up Vor. Um, (laughs) That was interesting. So, uh... Uh Are we on to, to more good movies, bad movies? What's the direction we want to, you guys want to go? You know, um, you were talking about Malignant, and that reminded me of another horror movie that I caught earlier this year, which was A Quiet Place 2, which I know it technically premiered last March, I think, March of 2020 in New York, but then, you know, shebang happened, mm-hmm. and uh, it was never able to be in theaters, so... 
I was um I was a Paramount Plus subscriber, but I've since canceled because there was really nothing on there that was interesting to me. But one of the things was like, oh, join Paramount Plus today and check out A Quiet Place too. And I really enjoyed the first one, and so I thought, hey, why not? Um, and I think the second one holds up pretty well. Sometimes with like horror movie sequels, it can really go one way or another. But with with the second one, I really enjoyed it. Um, and you know after what happened in the first movie. Have you guys seen the first one? Oh, yeah. The first one, but not the second one. I, I really like them both. On my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first one, and I, one of the most fun things was that's a movie that, that was worth seeing in theaters because it was such a, it was just so weird to see it in a group of people to where you couldn't even eat your popcorn because if you mm -hmm. made any noise, everyone was going to hear you. So, yeah, back to the sequel, though, which did come out, yeah, this this year in May, I think. Yeah, I think I saw it around maybe June or July, so it was kind of early summer. So it has been quite a while since I've seen it. Um, but I really loved, because, you know, John Krasinski's character unfortunately died in the first one. Um, and I loved the story progression of how, like, the it started off before everything happened, and you got to see what that first day was like. Because I remember it started off at, like, a baseball game. Baseball game, yeah, I remember. And, uh everyone's like oh my god what's going on and then these big monsters come out of nowhere and it was cool to see the family before <laughs> everything went down and then to see the mother and the two kids now and seeing what's going on and how their story progressed and i really loved the addition of i hope i'm pronouncing his name correctly is it killian murphy yeah it I is hope i'm saying that right yeah um, he's such a great actor and I loved him in like 28 days later. I really loved those movies. Don't and even get me started about how much I love 28 days later. Yeah, that was so good. Cause I never really used to be into horror movies and I saw that one and that kind of changed it for me. I really like learned to appreciate them more after I saw that. Cause it was really good. So I'd love to see him in it. And I remember this one scene where like after they had met and he was like kind of hesitant to sort of help them out even though they had known the family like had known him before everything went down and there was this scene where he had like this chamber in this like warehouse Factory? That he yeah staying yeah and it was like underground he was like in a chamber and there was like this this baby chamber inside the big chamber and all of them went into this little chamber but there was no oxygen. So, like, I remember there was a scene where I'm pretty sure the two kids were in there and the mother was out, like, yeah. foraging for stuff. And they almost ran out of oxygen. And that was more scarier to me than, like, some of the monster parts. So... And it's because they guess, locked the door on accident behind them, remember? Yeah. Yeah, and it was, like, I feel like for that, like, the being used to what the monsters look like from the first movie, you kind of get used to it in the second one. So I feel like for me, the actual monster was like the lack of oxygen because that freaked me out. Like I mm -hmm. hate the idea of like suffocation and that like scared me. So it was definitely like a creepy movie. Very good though. I highly recommend the first and the second. And I'm pretty sure they're coming out with a third one too. Oh, wow. So they were both huge that. successes because even the, the second one, the first one was a huge success. And I know that 
Second one, it made $300 million in theaters, which was huge, especially because like it came out during the COVID times. But one thing that I loved as well was that, well, first off, the son in that movie drove me absolutely crazy because he was the one that was responsible for so many of the nail-biting moments where he would have to, he tried to go off and he almost led to yeah. so many deaths. But I, I read that uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, is that his? Yeah, Emily Blunt. Mm -hmm. So their husband and wife in real life. And then John Krasinski, he directed this one and the first one. He wrote the second one by himself, but he wrote it with the first one with two other guys. But he and his wife, Emily and John, were watching Peaky Blinders, and then they really liked uh, Killian Murphy because of that. And so they just asked, and they didn't know him, but just because they liked him in that movie, in that show, and they liked him, they were like, hey, do you want to be in A Quiet Place Part 2? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I just think that's so cool. Like, that's that's how you know when you've made it in filmmaking is when you can, like, watch a show and you're like, wow, this guy's really good. We should put him in our new movie. And he killed it in it. I yeah. love him. And, and I've loved him since 28 Days Later because that was his kind of breakthrough yeah. role, I believe. That is pretty cool. And I think that's, like, that's probably what a lot of people aspire to because I know that must that must feel pretty good to, like, have such a good like name reputation and just call up and be like, you know, I'm doing this movie. You want to be in it? And mm -hmm. it's just, that's, that's the casting, no real audition or anything. It's just, Hey, that's pretty cool. We know that you can deliver. Love to be famous just for that one reason to where you can just call someone and be like, Hey, let's work together. Okay. Done. That's it. that's it. But no, here we are not doing that guys. <laughs> But Quiet Place Part 2 was great. I forgot about that one, actually. I can't believe I forgot to put that on my list, but that definitely would have been there. I thought it was a great sequel because the first one was so good. And so... Check that one out. Yeah, it's good because I was wondering how they could keep a sequel fresh when it's such like a... Because I feel like sequels are such a risky thing, especially with horror movies, because is it just going to mm -hmm. be the same thing over and over again? But by being able to kind of throw back to prequel stuff or to stuff that happened before the first movie and then tie it into where they were now, it really gave it a fresh approach. And I think they definitely set it up for a, a third one if they want to do that. And with the amount of money it made, I would not be surprised if one of a third one comes in because it's successful. Yeah, and I'll be um, watching it too. I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, me too. Have you seen Don't Breathe Part 2? No, but if Tommy yeah. were here, he could tell you how much he didn't like it. Oh, did you love it? Was it one of your favorites? I didn't watch oh, it. That's why I was asking if, it, if either of you have seen it. No, I love the first one. Tommy, he saw the second one, and he said it was very <laughs> meh. I was actually talking to some coworkers about that because um, we got a couple copies of Don't Breathe 2 in, and I was wondering, like, well, first off, I get that they alluded to a sequel in the first one, but I didn't think it was absolutely necessary. I feel like it could have definitely been resolved, like, within five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Just, just <laughs> the old guy. Just, just beat the old guy up. Hey, come on. That's I love when movies do have those parts, though, when it's like, if you just did this one little thing that any normal person would have done, this whole fiasco could have been avoided. Yes. Um, for one, don't break into people's houses. Okay, hold on. Sometimes you gotta. <laughs> they were fine up until they, you know, broke into a guy's house who just so happened to be, like, you know, ex-military or whatever. Yeah, I remember the first one was, was really nuts. fun, but... I uh, I don't think I even have interest in seeing the second one. I'm probably going to check it out just because I've seen the first one. True. Other than that, not too, not too, too excited. Another movie that I recently saw on Hulu, 
I'm not entirely sure if it's like a Hulu original, but I know that it's currently on Hulu. And I wonder if you guys saw it. It's called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. No, but what a name. I know. I was going to say, it's kind of a loaded title. So I've never heard of it. Please continue. It's from, um, it's it's co-written by, and it also co-stars Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, who both oh, did Bridesmaids cool. together. And it was hilarious. I was not expecting to like it because I saw a lot of commercials. I heard some things and I saw a lot of Twitter buzz, but the buzz, you know, I just didn't hear great things overall. I didn't hear too much about it. So I said, well, it could either be not so great or it could be one of those movies that was kind of underrated for the rest of the, for the year. And I'd say it was definitely underrated because it was hilarious. Um, so Barb and Star are two friends from the Midwest. They live in a small town called Soft Rock, Nebraska. Soft Rock, <laughs> Nebraska. And um, they get fired from their job because the company is closing. So the store is um, like the company was closed for like seven months, but they didn't tell this one store. So this store had been open for seven months, but the company itself was closed. So after losing their jobs, they run into an old friend who had just came back from a vacation in a small little town in Florida, on, on the coast of Florida called Vista Del Mar. And they don't like to travel and they have never left their town and they're just very, you know. Set in their ways. Yeah, they don't like to really do much. So they decide to do like this once in a lifetime trip to Vista Del Mar. But in the meantime, a mad scientist named Sharon Fisherman, who is also played by Kristen Wiig, is <laughs> planning revenge on the town because she lived there as a child and she was born with a condition where her skin is very, very pale. So the town made fun of her and she wants to get back at it. And it just so happens to be planning it around the time that Barb and Star want to visit. So Sharon's henchman is named Edgar, who's played by Jamie Dornan. And he is like in love with her, but she only wants him to do this plan. And she doesn't want to be like an official couple with him. And that's sort of the uh, one of the running jokes within the whole movie is he's like, you don't want to be like official. And it's it's just something that keeps getting said. Like he's he gets to Vista Del Mar and he's like, look at all these official couples here. It's just like a, a funny like gag that keeps going on. So Barb and Star get there and they meet Edgar and he really falls in love with Star. Um, but but also Barb kind of falls for him as well. So there's sort of like a mini love triangle, but it's mainly focused between Edgar and Star. And <clears throat> Edgar is torn between helping the mad scientist or seeing where things go with Star. And the scientist's plan is to release these mosquitoes that eat people and that's how she wants to get back at this town and in like there's a few parts in the movie where they break out into song and dance and it's honestly like a some people have called it a live action cartoon and I think that's a really great way to describe it because it's just such a nautical there's so much nautical scenery and there's a lot of takes that are like on a beach and honestly like the hotel that they stay at is just so it looks so fake it looks so cartoonish but you know I don't want to say too too much spoiler wise even though 
that's what we do here. I would really like you guys to check it out because it was really funny. Are you, are you breaking and our number one rule? I think I have to for this one because it's it's worth the watch. I think I'm going to watch You're it. Fired. I think I'm going to watch this one. Fired. <laughs> You're fired. We're taking over this show. Can I just say the whole mosquito thing? Um, that sounds like a crime. I'm surprised those don't already exist in Florida, to be honest. That's true. I mean, that's like one step up from what mosquitoes do. I feel like if you were to combine a horse fly and a mosquito, you've got something there. Because horse the flies already bite enough. I, uh, but I will say, though, I'm definitely going to check that movie out because I did love Bridesmaids a lot. Love Kristen Wiig. And I've, I think I, actually, I'll look it up right now. I'm pretty sure I've seen the poster for the movie. Because when you mentioned her character too, I was like, oh wait, I think I know. Um, let me see. What was it called? Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh wow, that looks great already. Just the poster looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I know I saw the poster for it, and I was just like, what is this? Did it go into theaters at all, or was it just directly on? Um, Oh wow! I'm it came out back. Sure. Came out back in February, actually. I am yeah. putting it on my list because that sounded just whimsical enough for me to enjoy thoroughly. Yeah, it's it was really good. I was surprised. So that was, I feel like for me, I'd say that was my favorite movie of the year. Really? It had, yeah, it had a little bit of everything. I'm a sucker for comedies. I'll watch like any comedy movie, and I feel like this year there weren't too many good comedies that came out. So I think I'm going to be a little biased and say that that was my favorite because mm-hmm. I just love any kind of comedy movie. And it had it had like just such great actors and and music. And there was like a few little cameos by some stars as well. And it was just it was just so funny. It was like a little like it seemed like Vista Del Mar is just like a little fantasy land. And they were just living like just living like a fantasy nautical ocean. It was it was literally like a live action cartoon. I feel like that's the best way to describe it. It was hilarious. Yeah, it, I just the poster just looks ridiculous because I, I saw it and it's like them there. First off, they look like a couple of moms and it's <laughs> yeah. just I love the poster. It looks like they're just riding on a big shrimp or something. Mm-hmm. And there's all of these this beautiful sea life around them in this lovely place in Florida. Yeah, in and Vista, and Del, Vista Mar. Del Mar in the movie is known for a seafood jam every year. And that's when the scientist was gonna get her revenge was at the seafood jam. And I cracked up. I I can barely get through saying seafood jam. That definitely sounds like a cartoon. (laughs) It does. It's so funny. And we'll check it out and we will talk about it again sometime when we all know more about it. (laughs) Have either of you seen the Jordan Beale Candyman. No, but Tommy has. Tommy's screwed everything up. By oh, that guy! <laughs> We're going to have a, a talk with him uh, later. I should just FaceTime him right now and say talk. <laughs> you should. Do it. So you saw you saw the can- Jordan Peele produced Candyman. He didn't direct. Yes. Yeah, let's say wrote and produced. It was pretty good. So I was scared that it was just a, like a reboot of the first Candyman. How, but it was not. It was more of a continuation for the story because in this one they actually referenced the uh, original movie. 
as like a yeah that happened so long ago and we're in this place that that happened then the apartments were just gentrified and now it's all lavish and stuff basically you know modern chicago but this it's about it follows this artist guy who um becomes obsessed with Candyman after learning about him when his um girlfriend's brother told him a story about Candyman and he was like yeah it is true guys haha look it up there's articles and stuff about it and that for some reason set him off so he started you know following the articles he ended up um looking at or listening to some of the recordings from Helen the lady in the original movie where she talked about it and he ended up having this little art um an art display which was inspired by Candyman which led to people saying his name in the mirror a bunch of times um all throughout the town my thing is there's plenty of evidence supporting the fact that this man exists why are y'all still doing this and if the first movie's events happened it's like did did you not like i think they documented it enough to know that this was a real thing and you will die Yep, and it happened a bunch of times throughout the movie. It happened uh, at a school with um, some teenagers. Uh, it happened with the guy, the artist. Um, also, Coleman Domingo. He was in Zola. He was also in this movie as well. Oh, cool. Who was, for some reason, Candyman's, like, super fan. I don't know how to describe it other than uh candy fan f- <laughs> also in this movie he kept like dropping like actual like little hard candies all over the place and for some reason that confused me so you're a fan of the original one correct yeah was this hard it, the candy was not in the original movie okay i was gonna ask which was all like okay so why does why is he dropping candy everywhere why is he giving candy to little kids it's literally his name. <laughs> I don't know how I completely uh, forgot that fact, but, you know, it's whatever. Would definitely recommend. They uh, 100% step it up with the gore, which is obviously what they do um, with all these reboots and modern sequels and stuff. Oh, so you did like it, though, and you would recommend it. I couldn't tell what direction oh, yeah. you were going. <laughs> oh, okay. It was good. Hell yeah. yeah. And I do like me a good horror movie, but I think I need to watch the original one first because I've actually never seen the original really? Candyman. And I feel like I should. That is yeah, I'm the I same. I should not have as a kid. Uh, Candyman and Bloody Mary uh, definitely was traumatized from those so that's movies. What, that's what you were watching mm-hmm. while your brother was watching Clifford the Big Red Dog. You were watching Candyman as a kid. I have other brothers. Listen, listen, Nick. I have two older brothers <laughs> and one younger brother. My two older brothers, or at least one of them, tried to traumatize me with Bloody Mary and Candyman, and it worked. So, Good man. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. So, were there any movies this year that you guys kind of feel like missed the mark or... Yes, just weren't that enjoyable. I, I was gonna say, let's move on to the worst movies. 
Okay, I I will jump off with mine, which the one that I was so bummed about was Old by M. Night Shyamalan. Mm. And this was the one movie that, like, I have never tried so hard to not hear anything about a movie because Tommy, of course, we'll see how many times I can bring up the fact that Tommy, my coworker, he's often on my show, how many times I can bring up the fact that he's not here today talking with us because he loves M. Night Shyamalan. It's his favorite filmmaker. And he's a very hit or miss filmmaker, M. Night Shyamalan is. And he's had a couple recent good ones. But with old, I didn't want to know anything about it. I was avoiding any spoilers. I wanted to go in blinded, not knowing what it was about. Tommy was the same way. We were in the movie theater one time uh, for a different movie and a trailer for it came on. So we both plugged our ears and like started humming so we wouldn't hear it. And then we went to see old and both of us were really disappointed with it in the end. And so I guess M. Night, he, his daughter had a, found a book that was similar to this plot. And the premise, which I think sounds cool to hear about, the premise is a group of people go to an island. And then when they're on the island, the people who work at the resort, and it's, it's all people who are sick with different diseases, whether it's like cancer or schizophrenia or just some sort of illness that's going to, in the long term, probably kill them. So what they end up getting told to do is they're like, hey, we have this really cool reservation at a beach for you guys to go hang out there. So we're going to take you there and you're going to spend the day there. And then all the people are like, cool, that sounds great. So they end up getting to the beach. And once they're there, they find out pretty quickly there's no way to leave the beach. But on the beach that they are at, time goes by incredibly fast. So they start all, everyone there starts to age really quick. And there's kids there, there's older people there, there's young adults there, and they just start to get like old, as in the title. And it's crazy because like there's kids there who start off as little kids and then all of a sudden they walk away to go hang out and then they come back and like they're in their teenage years. And then there's these kids, one of them ends up getting pregnant at some point and then so her body can't handle how fast her body is getting pregnant. And the the premise of it sounds cool and creepy and scary and like, what would you do in this situation? But it was so dumb, I thought. M. Night Shyamalan missed the mark there because the acting and dialogue completely opposite from like Malignant, where there was stuff that seemed to be very intentionally done in that way. Not with this one. Some, and some of the dialogue and acting performances were so cheesy and cringy. And I was just like, are you kidding me? That like, nobody talks like that. Nobody does that. But then also it forced you into a movie with like an ensemble cast. Like of just, it was just like 10 characters. You didn't even get to know who any of them were, but all of a sudden you were thrown into a story that involved 10 characters that didn't give you time to know who any of them were as the story unfolded. So it was kind of throwing you all over the place. And the fact that they were aging so rapidly, I felt like was a really good chance for them to make good use of like crazy prosthetic makeup. But for the whole premise of it being that they got really old and this and that, I was really disappointed with how the, the even the look of it was because they didn't even look some of them when they were supposed to be looking older. It didn't even look like they were that much older. And I was like, that would have been cool if they like went all out with the prosthetics and they really just sold this old look. But from the acting to even just the pacing of it was weird, but mostly just the I feel like this, the story of it in general was just kind of not believable, too, because it was they were taking nice people who came to this tropical place and just killing them all off on an island. And I was just like, well, everyone's family is going to realize that these people are gone. Like if the premise was like, instead, like they decided to use, Oh, because at the end you find out it's because they were trying to get 
I told you that everyone that went to this island, it was all people who were sick with illnesses. And if I'm not mistaken, I think what they wanted to do is they were giving them all medication and they wanted to see like the long-term effects that this medication would have on whatever illness they had. And so to do that, they were them essentially. Yeah. And so they were speeding up the process of their lives on this island to figure out, all right, are these people going to die from their natural diseases or are the medications that we're giving them going to help them live a longer life? And I, I was just like, if this concept was not with normal, nice, everyday people, but like they went to like prisoners that were on death row for horrible crimes or just like some sort of more underground, disturbing, dark, twisted way. But from the way they presented it, it was just normal family people with kids included going to this nice little island getaway and then they all end up dying. And I just didn't buy that either. I was like, what? Most people of them would- were murdered. Yeah. Oh, so you I saw like, it? Most of, also, yeah, most of them weren't even like killed from natural causes. Like, uh, there was a doctor guy who just went around stabbing everyone. But like, oh, he's, think, got, he's got he's steal my my house or whatever. I think he started to go crazy because he had like schizophrenia or something, and because of the old sped up pacing on the island, it started to take over his brain. So he started to like lose his mind. But you saw it, Inea. What did you think of the movie? I felt like it had potential. But it kind of was, it fell off. I agree with you when you said that, you know, it would make a lot more sense or be a lot more dark if it was like prison inmates or something rather than just a normal a normal family that's going through, you know, a divorce. And then mm-hmm. there's a bunch of other people who are just some pretty happy family people. Also, what kind of name is Ms. Sai Sedan? Wait, does that have to do with the movie? Yes, the the rapper guy. His name was Midsize oh, Dan. <laughs> and that just shows the stupid cheesiness of it. Yeah, I forgot about the rapper guy. Yeah, there was a rapper in the movie, and he was like some big and, and he was like some big rapper too. And that's also to where I was thinking, like, what? Not only are you just bringing regular families and happy people to this island to kill, you're bringing some famous rapper to this island to kill. You don't think eventually people are going to start to notice that everyone who's going they, to this place is not the coming back? was like, hey, well, they have like our information. They can make it seem like we didn't leave. Do you guys not know other people? I think your neighbors are going to notice that you have not left your house or yeah. came back home in yeah. a while. Yeah, your kids' schools, the people that you work at. I was just like, all right, there's a bit of a story. And M. Night Shyamalan, he he acts in all of his movies. And he gave himself – he wasn't even in it that much, but he was in this one too much. If you remember, he was the guy who was driving the van that was driving the people to the beach. And I was just like, he's he's a bad actor anyway. And I still have never fully forgiven him for what he did to the Avatar The Last Airbender no, live action exist. movie. So um, – when he does a bad movie, it just reminds me of why I have issues with him. But it was a, you didn't see the movie, Spooky? I did not, even though I was very excited for it because I usually love M. Night Shyamalan movies. I've seen, I think, mostly all of his movies, or at least I've tried to. And, I mean, one of my favorites of his is, like, The Happening. Oh, which yeah. Is, and that was very it's, it's, a, it's a bad movie, but it's like there's parts of it that it's so bad it's good in uh-huh. a way. And I was really hoping that it would come out that this would be like that. But I have no plans to see it now. I I did want to see it. Sure. But when I heard the reviews, it kind of I was like, well, I'll just I'll just go watch the happening again. 
because I already know that one. (laughs) You might enjoy a a friend that we saw it with. He loved it at the end. He was like, that was Shyamalan's best movie, blah, 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 blah. And we were like, whoa, what? Yeah, right. And uh, it was definitely an interesting one. Though I thought uh, it It fell off from the beginning. Just the dialogue was silly to me. The acting didn't think it was that great. So old, a disappointing movie Mm. from M. Night Shyamalan. Sad stuff. What else? Mm. What were some disappointments to use, Be- Becca? <laughs> Becca. <laughs> um, I guess for me, a movie that I probably can't comment on that much because I could only get through like the first half of it was The Many Saints of Newark, which oh, was the wait. Soprano you're, people. No, you're not allowed to give any spoilers for that. I won't let you. I hate it because I haven't seen it yet. I won't give any spoilers because I barely even watched it. I couldn't really get through it. So I really, I have nothing to say except it was kind of disappointing. And I know to I To the point you. where I. What's that? <laughs> it was kind of disappointing to like the fact that I couldn't really watch it that much because it was just, for me, it was hard to get into. I love the fact that James Gandolfini's son was playing him. He looked so similar to him i think that was such a nice ode to his father because you know the tony soprano character is so iconic and i mean that was just i love that and i had such high hopes but i'm sort of like the others because i knew a lot of people said that they were disappointed so unfortunately i was too that's too bad because i've been really looking forward to it because me and my friend gabby we have been planning on watching it we have not yet and i buckled down and watched the sopranos because of it so I'm very eager to see it, and I've heard very hit or miss mixed reviews about it. And I love the fact that his son was playing him. And I even know that he told his son to not get into acting. But then mm-hmm. when he passed away in 2013, I think, or 14, or something like that. I forget what year exactly. But I thought it was really cool that he got to come back and bring back his dad's character to life. But how did he do in it? How was his acting from what you saw? From what I saw, he was doing very well. Um, and I know that I'm pretty sure the story itself was like, I can't really remember if there was a narration, but I know that the story was being told by the father of Christopher Moltisanti. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure. Um, and I loved I loved that you were learning about, you know, some of the history of those characters because The Sopranos is such iconic television. I mean, that that changed a lot. Oh, and it did. I've unfortunately just, never seen it. I was very disappointed to learn that it was not about music. <laughs> you thought it was just about <laughs> soprano music and singing. Yeah. <laughs> it was an iconic show, though. It definitely changed the quality. And I know it made it was a game changer for HBO and just being able mm. to put like movie quality TV shows together. And I'm bummed to hear that you didn't love the movie. And I'm sorry, Inea, that I'm making you go against everything this podcast is about by saying, wait, hold on. No spoilers for this one because I do want to watch it. It's like the third time. It's just, listen. I'm sorry. (laughs) But have you finished, like, did you finish all six seasons? I'm on the sixth season right now. Okay. Because we need to talk about, like, the finale. I really need to know your thoughts once that's all done. Which I'm eager. I kind of know what the actual like last shot of it is because I remember when it came out, it was such a controversial one where he's just like sitting in a diner and then it just like cuts to black and that's how the show ends. And everyone was just like, wait, what? And I don't know what leads up to that moment exactly. I still have to get there. But 
I will definitely let you know. And with that, I will also watch the Mini Saints of Newark probably before I watch Succession. So, oops. <laughs> Pan, what can we do to talk you into it? I know. It's, I, but okay, then I we wait it out. Yeah, by the time the end of next year, I, I will have watched it. But uh, I did watch Superstore, and that's great. You guys should watch that if you haven't seen it. I love that's Superstore. Cool, yeah. I need to see the last yeah. season. Oh, it was good. It was one of those shows, like Shameless, because Shameless was a show I loved uh, when I watched it. And I found out that one of the main characters in Superstore is a main character in a, a whole season of Shameless, which I did not realize. And I was like, oh, my God. But both the last season of those shows take place during COVID, and I love that because, like, they just make COVID the whole backbone of both of those. And the, both those seasons came out this year. So check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Superstore was great. I remember when that was first coming out, and it, I was really I was excited for it. And I think I've seen mostly all of it except the last season. I think I just honestly forgot what night of the week it was on and just missed like a bunch of episodes. And I said, all right, I'll save it for later. But one thing about Superstore that I always um, think about is years ago when it was first premiering on NBC, I told my grandmother that they were opening a new store called Cloud Nine. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like maybe 45 minutes away. And we said, let's make a trip to go to go <laughs> to go see it. And we we built it up for weeks where I would say, oh, man, I'm so excited. It's almost the grand opening of Cloud Nine. Like, I can't wait to go. Aren't you excited? And, you know, it was like they have they sell this, they sell this, whatever. And then the night that Superstore was coming out, I put it on the TV and she's like, wait, that's Cloud Nine. Oh, and she was so disappointed and I feel so terrible. You but it was should. the funniest joke <laughs> weeks in the planning just to prank the poor grandmother (laughs) and i do and i was uh oh what's that no i was just gonna say i still think about that often and i'll still say to her like yeah i'm sorry about the cloud nine thing (laughs) (laughs) don't hold that one against me i do wish though that i was a fan of the show while it was still airing because out here in la right by the uh warner brothers lot they actually had, and you could just drive by it, I guess. Tommy told me that you could just drive by the set and it just looked like a parking lot, like a grocery store. And because they actually built like a, a real grocery store for it that said Cloud Nine out front. And that's where they filmed it inside. And he said, if you drove by, it looked just like a Walmart or just like any other grocery store. But it was just the set of the show. And I was like, damn, I wish that I knew that. And I, I wish I liked the show so I could have driven by and taken pictures with it. One movie that was really it had potential. I just it kind of irritated me. It was a Silk Road on Hulu. It's about the uh, Silk Road website from the dark, the dark net. Oh, I have friends that used to order drugs off of that. Why are you telling me this? Because that's what the website was for. <laughs> I so, promise I never did. I mean, hey, I don't ask, don't tell. Was, um, it, was it a documentary or was it like a scripted movie? Scripted movie with oh, Nick okay. Robinson in it. He plays Ross Ulbricht, the guy who ran the website. So, first of all, it's just absolutely bananas. Yes, I said bananas. To me, that that website existed in the first place. 
Oh yeah. And so for people who don't know, it was literally a website where you could just go to order whatever drugs you wanted and they would just literally mail them to your house and it functioned for a while. And then I've seen some documentaries on it, but I didn't realize that they made an actual film about it. Um, there was a guy on YouTube. Let me look it up. Let me... And then I remember the way that it, I think the guy who made it, he ended up getting arrested like at a library or something. Yep. Because he logged on to a public Wi-Fi, which was kind of dumb because, I mean, listen, you know all about, you know, open networks and anonymity and stuff like that. So why would you, the creator and admin of a website where you can sell drugs and drug paraphernalia, why would you log on to a public Wi-Fi network? Riddle me this. And he did it. But so what did you not like uh, about the movie? Because it, it is an interesting story. And like you said, I can't believe that that website ever even functioned. So first off, it was Barely Sociable who um made the video on YouTube. Who It's a video is like an hour and 15 minutes long. Pretty good. He breaks down the whole story. Really good. Would definitely recommend checking it out. But the movie, it was really weird because we don't know too, too much about the characters. Like, we just know the guy, he's a libertarian. He's all like, ah, freedoms, they should be like, you know, my right to buy drugs offline. First of all, you're saying that you want like an online drug marketplace? That's just Craigslist if you know how to use it. Whoa, okay. Not... First hand experience, that. huh? What are you what are you not oh telling God. us, Inea? <laughs> like I'll let you know any. No. I fear I've said too much. <laughs> anyway. So yeah. You can I feel like you can get anything off Greg's list. If you use the right keywords, but whatever. Unless that's irrelevant. <laughs> so the movie they don't really show how the web well they they show how the website blew up but i felt like it was not really a logical way because they contact this guy who writes an article about the website my thing is so did you tell this reporter um the link to the website because mind you it's a dot onion website so it's not going to be like a direct link it's got to have some random characters in it and their dot onion sites are kind of hard to find which is the point of that so how are you going to pretty much publicize, you know, the word about this website and then get upset or surprised and confused when the FBI finds you? Mm -hmm. And he thought he was like so secure behind like the fact that, oh, I'm using Tor, like it's an anonymous browser and plus people are using Bitcoin. You're not going to hide from the government that well on a... Um, browser that was created by the government one thing that's uh funny is i remember when that website was around which i truly never used it believe it or not i'm not a drug user but um i'm Are just naturally this hyper no but my <laughs> when i know people now who i've talked to who used it in the past because the currency that they would use on it was bitcoin that's yeah. how people would buy stuff on it because it was all anonymous. But at that time when that website was around, Bitcoin was had no value to it. The, the only reason that they used it is because it was an anonymous money source. So I know people who like at the times they would buy like $100 of Bitcoin, which would be like 
dozens, if not hundreds of Bitcoins just so that they could buy stuff on Silk Road. And nowadays that Bitcoin that they owned back then to buy like a bag of weed or something, it would be worth like hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars, which is yeah, just. Yeah, because I crazy. looked up the conversion rate because I knew that it's definitely inflated over the years because oh, like, on the movie, it was like, oh, buy, you can buy one weed for uh, one and a half Bitcoin. Uh huh. So I Googled it and I forgot that this, you know, took place in like 2011 to 2013. So I forgot to look up that time period for conversion. So when I looked up how much is $1 in Bitcoin, that's like $56,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So for a second, I thought that they were paying like $56,000 for <laughs> one weed. For one single marijuana. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, that part's crazy of it. But that's definitely a story that I feel like is probably going to be better told in a documentary style than in a scripted movie. And whenever it's crazy stories like that, I always feel like that. I'm like, I'd rather be watching the documentary about this than, definitely. A, than somehow a, probably somewhat inaccurate and just not full representation of the actual story. And with something like Silk Road, there's so much anonymous stuff to it that it makes it hard to create characters in a story too i feel like because in this movie they don't tell you how they found vendors because they just had vendors like first day within the website setting up first mm -hmm. of all how do people even know about this website because you can't accidentally stumble upon it like i said with dot onion sites like you have to be told about them so that was weird to me and also the main character you know he all we see about him is ah very obsessed with my having my freedoms and whatnot um, and also, he becomes very invested and obsessed with this website to the point that, like, it's messing with his close relationships. But outside of those two things, we don't see too, too much about him. So I wish that we could have, you know, dived into the details of the rest of the story. And also, you're following, like, um, an FBI agent through his thing. He he works in cyber crimes, and he catches wind of this website, and he, you know, orders it orders from the website and kind of does like a, a excuse me kind of does some close investigation and he ends up taking ross's money to pay for his daughter's preschool um tuition which is for some reason like forty thousand dollars okay calm down your kid doesn't need a forty thousand dollar preschool whatever but yeah for some reason half the movie was about him so they were trying to fill it, it sounds like. They were like, well, we don't know what kind of story to tell, so let's just start filling it out with stuff that people really don't care about. Yeah, but like you said, I feel like that story definitely would be better fleshed out in a documentary. Yeah. I feel like with this year, there wasn't too many good documentaries that came out. Uh, talking about the Silk Road thing, because that does sound like it would be better as a documentary. I saw a documentary on Amazon which it was split up into four episodes, but it really feels like it could have just been one long like movie documentary. Mm -hmm. And it was called Lula Rich. And it was about the controversy with the Lula Roe, um, like multi-level marketing company. And they like interviewed former people who worked for them and talked about how popular it was. And it was these leggings. Everybody had these Lula Roe leggings and like in order to cut corners the owners of the company had you know midway through everything 
really cut down on good fabric, good quality leggings and everything. And so they were charging like a lot of money for these, but people, you know, they'd send them out and they'd have holes in them and they'd rip in half and they were just terrible leggings by the time it was like, you know, towards the end of it. And I, I'm not sure if the company is still together. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of investigations about it, but it kind of went in depth in how they sort of controlled those representatives to order all the hands. And I think there was some other clothing, but it was basically these leggings. That was like the most famous thing and trying to get them to um, sell as much as they find these starter packages and all, all these packages of leggings. And, you know, by the end of it, all these women would have boxes and boxes of leggings in their house that they weren't able to sell. You know, they weren't able to donate or get rid of them because they weren't in good condition. And it just, it was, it was such a good documentary about like greed and mm -hmm. money and just seeing how far people can go to make money and get financial gain. I love a good documentary. I, I speaking of brands, I just saw one on, uh, Hulu called the curse of Von Dutch and Von Dutch was like a huge brand in the mid early two thousands amongst like celebrities. And then it, it just was one that blew up and the quality went down and the, the story about all the money and stuff and the greed behind it. So I'd recommend that one as well. Cause Von Dutch, everyone I used heard to wear about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I it's a good one. That. Yeah. I love me. Good documentaries. We got to have a documentary episode sometime where we just talk about good docs because that's what I'm usually oh, mostly definitely. watching is documentaries. And we'll next time we all got to line up a list of the same stuff to make sure we all watch it. Cause I'd love to just pick each other's brains about stuff. We've all just freshly watched. Yeah. Definitely. I forgot my oh, microphone yeah. was muted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited. Theaters are opening back up, and I'm going to check out some of what you guys brought up. I definitely want to see that Kristen Wiig movie. I think I'm going to probably watch that one today, and I will dive into Succession. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Sounds a little easier to just start off with one movie for now, though. Definitely. Yeah, definitely check that out and let me know what you thought, because it was hilarious, and it just honestly the best way is live action cartoon. So just kind of get yourself prepared for that. It's so good. And it's on Hulu. I just watched it again the other day because I had seen it a little bit earlier in the year. And then I had just watched it again just to refresh my memory. And it's it's really good. I might even watch it again today, too. But actually, no, because Succession's on tonight. And so I got to get myself prepared for that. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I'm, I do look forward to Succession. I will watch it. I'm sure it's good if you both do genuinely love it so much. Yeah. Uh, I know. I've been slacking. <laughs> It's listen, I will tell you this much. It's a very interesting show. Um, it's a drama, but also at the same time, like a black comedy satire show. So there's it's indirectly funny. Good. I love some good dark humor or just like. All right. Count me in. But in, we'll we'll have an episode about that in the next few years after I watch it. No, you have until next weekend. Woo! Watch all three seasons. That's not that bad. Three seasons. I mean, they only got ten episodes each season, so. 
But spooky, but don't really watch, spooky. don't watch old. And they're about like an hour long. No, you should watch old. Yeah, the episodes are long. Not okay. 45 minutes, they're like a complete hour. Oh, wow. So actually that would take some time to fully watch. Yeah, I just thought about that. Yeah, but I feel like the next show that, because on the topic of like HBO shows, because we were discussing um, Sopranos and Succession, is the one that I'm really excited for to come back is Barry. And I know it's very soon that it's going to come back. I hope it's very soon. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm so excited for Barry, though. I was so bummed that COVID shut down the uh, the production of that because that's. That show's right up my alley. That's one of my favorite shows of like all time now. I think I think I've made that my Me second too. favorite show to Breaking Bad just because I was like, I loved it. I love, love, love it. It's dark. It's twisted. It's funny. It's so good. I've probably watched it all the way through at least like 10 times. Probably oh more. Oh, my God. I mean, it's Jeez. just, it's just, I love it. It's so good. And I will literally watch anything that Bill Hader's in. So it was just perfect. It was like the perfect show, but I know Inea hasn't seen it yet. So that's, oh, that's I'm the sorry. next show that you've got to binge watch. I'll build myself up to it. I'll let you she'll, know when. She'll watch it when I watch Succession. Yes, actually. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm the worst when it comes to watching new stuff. So I honestly can't blame you with the Succession <laughs> issue. <laughs> And I feel like once you watch it, you'll really get into it like we are. So definitely make sure you have enough time to enjoy it. And then you'll probably go back and rewatch it to see anything that you missed. And but it's 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 a good show. It's really good. All righty. Well, that wraps up our discussion of some of the best and worst movies of 2021. And thank you so much to our special guest, Nick Major, for joining us. And chatting along with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we could talk about movies that next time I'm on, it's going to be movies that we have all collectively seen. Because I know today's was more personal lists of our own personal favorites and least yeah. favorites. But I look forward mm -hmm. to jumping in on some titles that we all are freshly familiar with. That's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> say hopefully that's more planned out better. But, Yeah. Check us out on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Check out our other episodes. Uh, find us on Twitter at spoilers only duh, and find our link tree to see other places that we are available on. Share with a family member, a friend, an enemy, your neighbor, the entire population in the town next to you. You know, just get the word out. <clears throat> So, this has been episode seven, I think. Woo woo. Yes, episode seven.